so who is this one? Who is this one that will have the scars on his hands and in his feet and in his side that we will see? Who is he? You know, really, at the end of the day, who is he? How do we see him? What do we take away from the inheritance that we have from the redemption that we have from the deliverance that we have as believers you know I think so oftentimes what happens is as we grow in our Christian life or I should say as we grow in our chronological age and our physical life and and we may be a believer but how often do many of us come along that road and at some point in time things just kind of begin to get old they kind of get mundane. You know, we talk about this thing, about seeing him one day and being able to be in his presence and seeing him for who he is. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter number 1. And let me encourage you to do this as well. If you don't bring a Bible with you uh, or a device with you that you can look at the Word of God, here's what I, I want to encourage you with this morning. Bring it with you. We're going to spend some time in probably three verses this morning that is going to take the majority of our time because I, I'll just say this to you this morning. There is so much there. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're going to see in these verses in chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, and we're going to make our way through verse 18, so really in these four verses, we're going to see just who he is. And there will be no doubt at the end of the day of who he is. You know, just as Paul has already written in Colossians chapter 1, we should be thankful. You know, we think about this time of the year of thanksgiving and a thankful heart. Did you know as a believer, our hearts ought to be a heart of thanksgiving every day of the year? Thankful for what? Well, thankful that we are indeed his people qualified for inheritance that Paul wrote about in verse 12 delivered from the bondage of sin in verse 13 and then finally redeemed through his son in verse 14 so Paul called, Paul covered all of that just in those three verses right there 12 13 and 14 and this statement must have absolutely clarified for the believers in Colossae exactly what it was that had happened to them in their, new uh, in their new birth and why it was necessary. You know, for you and I today, what happened to us in our new birth, now, I don't know about you, but I've never gotten over mine. I don't know about you, but I think about it on a regular, continual basis because I know where I once was and I know where I am today and I know where I'm going at the end of it. And I've just never gotten over it. Why? Because there was an absolute change that came in my life. And when I understood who I was in the presence of a holy God, and that God loved me enough to send his own son to take my place, I'm going to tell you something, that's just something I can't get over. Why? Because I didn't deserve it. It's called his grace. That's what it's all about. It's his grace. And so therefore, in my own life, I just have never gotten over it. There's not enough days left in my life to ever come to the point that I could thank him enough for what he's done in my own life. What you're seeing in Colossians chapter 1 is Paul writes to the church at Colossae, false teachers were very present in this day. 
And matter of fact, they were doing everything they could to disprove the deity of Jesus Christ and who he was. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul's going to make it very clear who Jesus Christ is and who he was. And it's going to be very clear at the end of the day exactly. There won't be any doubt. There should be no confusion in the hearts and minds of those that are here that read Paul's letter. There should be no doubt or any confusion about Jesus Christ. One of the things that Paul is going to go on further here in chapter 1 and we're going to see the Son of God in whom we have redemption. He is the image of the invisible God. That's who He is. He's the image of the invisible God. Did you know that every part of Scripture testifies about Jesus Christ? Matter of fact, from the book of the Revelation all the way, or from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of the Revelation, it testifies of Christ and who He is. Matter of fact, if you'll take your Bibles and turn back to Luke 24... Luke chapter 24, I want you to notice, as Luke wrote for us, Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24 in verse 27, this is after the resurrection, on the road to Emmaus. I want you to notice verse 27. Jesus is walking with these two on the road to Emmaus. As he begins to speak to them, but I want you to notice verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to him the things concerning himself in all the what? In all the scriptures. The scriptures themselves declare who he is. The scriptures themselves affirm who he is, beginning in Genesis and running all the way through the book of the Revelation. But let's go back to Colossians chapter 1 and begin with verse 15 this morning. I guess probably in all of the scripture, there is no other passage of scripture that removes the doubt and the confusion about the true identity of Jesus Christ and probably these that Paul has written here beginning in verse 15. And I want you to notice what Paul writes in verse 15 of Colossians chapter number 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And let me say this, just as his beginning statement in verse 15, he is the exact representation and revelation of the invisible God. That's who he is. The firstborn of all creation. And let me just say this unapologetically this morning. Jesus Christ is the perfect, absolute image of God himself. That's who he is. As a matter of fact, we find from the Scripture... And let me say, let me share this with you this morning. He did not become the image of God at his birth. It didn't happen at his birth, but has been since all of eternity. He is the image of God. He's the image of the invisible God. Matter of fact, Jesus himself spoke about that. In John chapter 14 and verse number 9, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He affirms the relationship that he has between himself and the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
he is that representation he is the revelation himself of the invisible god and who he is if you've seen me you have seen the father now there are cults and false teachers out there who attempt to use verse 15 to support the position that jesus christ is a created being and let me say something to you this morning he is not a created being he has always been the book of the revelation chapter number one says i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he's always been matter of fact jesus christ himself referred to himself as an i am speaking about abraham and himself and he said he said before abraham was i am it doesn't say that the text there does not say before abraham was i was it says before abraham was i am the relationship between the son and the father has been seen has been seen all throughout the scripture and now as 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 paul writes to clarify who he is but there are a lot of cults and false teachers out there today and other religions who try to say that jesus christ is a created being and matter of fact my dear friend please listen to me this morning he is not a created being so what did the phrase mean in verse 15 when paul wrote the firstborn of all creation here's what john or here's what paul is writing if you try to use verse 15 as a support text that jesus christ was a created being then your interpretation of verse 15 ignores the sense and the context of firstborn because the greek word there in the context that you read in verse 15 speaks of position or rank not chronological age he is the firstborn of all creation by position and rank that's who he is not chronological birth or chronological age why because jesus christ has been from all of the beginning that's who he is from all of eternity and so when paul writes he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation it speaks of his position or rank not his chronological age but this firstborn also denotes two other things concerning christ he preceded the whole creation genesis chapter number one let us make man in our image the plural pronouns there in genesis chapter number one jesus christ slain before the foundation of the world the redemptive plan of god was not some afterthought with god that was going to happen at some point down the road when god all of a sudden realized that hey man is headed on a collision course there is no way to 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 help him at this point that is not the case the redemptive plan of god was in place from the beginning it was not an afterthought with god himself jesus christ is not a created being jesus christ has always been jesus christ was present before creation that's who he is and i know we we talk about that and we hear that and and we we get to the point sometimes i think that we just it becomes mundane to us not only did he precede all of creation but he is also the sovereign over all creation that's who he is he's the sovereign over all creation you say well how do you know well look at colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and verse 17 and notice as paul continues to write 
He says, for by him, the antecedent of him, there is Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It doesn't get any clearer, any plainer than what Paul has written here. Christ is not the only, he is not only the one through whom all things came to be, but also the one by whom they continue to exist. We were sitting out last night. It's amazing on a crystal clear night when you can look up into the heavens and see the moon and all of the stars. Have you ever thought about this? Every day the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And the universe itself and all of its intricacies and in all of its exactness. My dear friend, that doesn't happen by circumstance. It is held together by a sovereign creator. It is through him that all things consist and exist. That's who he is. He's not a created being. All of creation and its intricacies and all of those things that exist. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1. Notice in the Gospel of John. I mean, it's just, it's affirmed for us further. John chapter 1. And let's just read verse 1 through verse 3 and notice what it says. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, speaking of Jesus Christ himself. Look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 3. All things came into being through him. Came into being through who? Through him. The antecedent of him there is Jesus Christ. All things came into being through him. And apart from him. And notice what John writes next. Nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing apart from Jesus Christ himself. Let's go back to Colossians chapter number 1. The entire universe, both material and immaterial. If you look back at verse 16, visible and invisible, both material and, in, and, and immaterial, all of it. And then verse 17, notice as Paul continues the thought, he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. You know, gravity is an interesting is an interesting thing to me. How gravity functions and how necessary gravity is. Gravity is so necessary that within sight of the human body, if we were to get into a place where 
what we refer to as zero gravity without some sort of artificial means to help sustain the human body, we could not exist. Gravity, you know, everything that goes up must come. You ever heard that saying? Matter of fact, I used to think about that all the time. Everything that goes up must come down. So I asked a dumb question one time to a teacher. Then why does a helium balloon keep going? Don't ask your teacher that question, okay? Because guess what happens? Are you ready for this? It does come down, okay? As soon as it either pops or the helium is gone, guess what? That material substance does fall back to the ground. Gravity. Have you ever looked at the human body? Have you ever considered the human body? How many of y'all woke up this morning and one leg had a fight with the other leg about who got out of bed yesterday first or today? How many of y'all have aches or pains in this body of yours? Have you ever looked at the complexity of the human body? Huh? Of course it all just happened. Paul says, wait a minute. Here's what you need to understand. For by him all things were created. Both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Are you ready for this? You were created for him. Why? We serve a relational God, that's why. God desires to have a relationship with us. And are you ready for this? And to do so, he sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to take our place so that we could what? Have a relationship with him. Because the relationship was broken. In Genesis chapter 3, it was broken. God already had a plan in place to provide what was necessary to put that relationship back where it should be. So Paul says, you have any doubts about who Jesus Christ is? Let me tell you what the church at Colossae was do, uh, dealing with. He was dealing with those Aaronists that were very prevalent in the days of Colossae. Jesus Christ is not who you claim him to be. He's a created being. That's all he is. There is no deity associated with Jesus Christ. So why place your trust and faith in him? Verse 18 is where I want to spend a lot of time this morning. Galatians, or, uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Because I want you to notice who else he is. So not only is he over all of creation, not only has he existed since the beginning, but here's the other truth. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Do you see that? He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. There are four truths I want to share with you this morning out of verse 18 itself. Here's the first one. He is the head of the church. That's who he is. He's the head of the church. Is he to you that? Is he to you the head of the church? 
We're talking about the body of Christ here. He is the head of that body. He is the head of the church. That's who he is. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. Paul also dealt with this subject here. Ephesians chapter number 5. Of course, he also deals with some other things in chapter 5. As he begins to contrast the marriage between a husband and wife to that of Jesus Christ and the church. Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to notice beginning in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. You see that? He himself being the Savior of the body. Look down at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the what? The church and gave himself up for her. For what reason? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Look down at verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, So the church, he is the head of the church. That's who he is. That's who Jesus Christ is. Not only over all of creation, but he's the head of the church. Look at the second thing in verse 18 of Colossians chapter 1. He's also the source of the church. He is the beginning of he is the source of the church. Matter of fact, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. He is the source, the beginning. Hebrews chapter 12. He is the beginning. So what about us? Have we ever considered this? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and verse 3, and notice what the author of the book of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The who, the author and the finisher of our faith, or perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary or lose what? Or lose heart. He is the beginning. The head of the church over all of creation as a whole. Not a created being. How about this one? Have you ever considered this? He is the firstborn of the dead. What in the world does Paul mean by that? The firstborn from the dead. What is the significance of him being the firstborn from the dead? 
well wait a minute I thought there were others who died in scripture that were resurrected from the dead there were so what about Jesus Christ let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Enoch was translated that he should not see death Elijah was taken up what about those who we have recorded for us like Lazarus he died but he was resurrected to physical life so what about this one Jesus Christ well look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we will start in verse uh, let's see verse 20 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 but now Christ has been raised from the dead notice what it says the first fruits of those who are asleep in other words of those who have died he is the first fruit what did he write in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 he is the first fruit from the dead for since by a man came death by a man also came the resurrection of the dead for as in Adam all die so also in Christ all will be made alive what is the significance of his resurrection he was resurrected to life it was a bodily resurrection by Jesus Christ my dear friend when you and I are resurrected one day we will be resurrected to life he is the first fruit from the dead for us so when we die he has already gone before us he has already crossed that valley for us he has been there he set the path for us so when that day comes that we die I don't know about y'all some people think I'm crazy okay and here's where we all have to get to are you afraid today to die are you afraid to die I'm not afraid to die I'm not listen okay I know some of y'all look at me brother Robert why are you talking about death this way today look I'm not looking to get on the bus today or tomorrow or next week okay but I'm not afraid to die Am I afraid what's going to happen in the process? No. Because when I close my eyes on this side, I know where I'm going to open them. Now, I will say this to you, though. It's what leads up to it, okay? I just don't want it to hurt. Okay? And if the pains in this life get much worse, okay? But seriously, are you afraid to die? If our trust and faith is in Jesus Christ and in him alone, and we have a relationship with him, listen to me, you have no reason to fear death. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, verse 23, But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. And those 
who are in the grave will be resurrected to life. Blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection. Those of us who will remain are caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He is the first fruit of us. Then this one, in verse 18 of Colossians, and let's go back there. So I want you to see this. Colossians chapter 1, the end of verse 18. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. What is he talking about? What's Paul, what's Paul talking about here? It's so that he will have the preeminence in all things. He is the preeminent one. That's who he is. So number one, he's the head of the church. Number two, he is the source of the church. Number three, he's the firstborn from the dead. And number four, he is the preeminent one. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And notice what Paul wrote. Beginning in verse 8. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Notice what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He said, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. To the glory of God the Father. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's not a created being. He's always been. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Before Abraham was, of which the Pharisees stumbled over because they're wondering, how in the world could you have been existent before Abraham when you're only a certain this age and Abraham's been dead for all of these years? How in the world could you have existed before Abraham? By the phrase that he used, before Abraham was, I am. It's because he's not a created being. He was not just a mere man. Even though he was much man as he was God, he was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us because of his great love for us. He's the head of the church. He's the source of the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the preeminent one. That's who he is. question today is what are you going to do with him because just as we saw as Paul wrote to the church at Philippi there is coming a day where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord I don't care who you are so let me say this to you so you better do it now before it's too late better do it now before it's too late 
as the Puritan John Owen wrote. And I want you to notice the words that he wrote. He said, without this knowledge, the mind of man, however priding itself in other inventions and discoveries, is wrapped up in darkness and confusion. Without Christ, there is no light. Without Christ, there is no understanding. Apart from Christ, there is nothing. But with Christ is everything. Why? Because he is over everything. That's who he is. What will you do with him today? Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, we thank you for Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Father, as he removed any doubt and confusion about who Jesus Christ is. Father, I thank you that your word says the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change. And one day, We'll look upon the scars. The scars that came as a result of your great love for us. Father, I pray that as believers, we would just never get over what you did for us. Father, of your grace, so far-reaching. Father, I thank you today that no one is outside of the reach of your grace. Father, I thank you for your mercies. They're new every single morning. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. not just in words but by, uh, Father you proved your love toward us you proved your love for us that while we were yet sinners Jesus Christ died for us Father we have been given an inheritance Father, you delivered us from the bondage of sin. Father, you brought redemption to our lives. And it's all through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And Father, I pray for that one that may be watching with us online or here in this auditorium this morning. The burden of my heart and the desire of my heart is if you do not know who this Jesus Christ is, Scripture is very clear and plain. He is the I Am. He is the head of the church. He is the source of the church. He's the first fruit 
of those who die. He is the preeminent one. Father, I pray this morning there is no doubt about who Jesus Christ is. And Father, also understanding and realizing that the day is coming where every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. Father, I pray for the one today that may be searching, that may be seeking, that does not know. Father, I pray through your word, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they would understand and realize they're standing before a holy God. Understanding and realizing that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And understanding and realizing their sinful condition, Father, today they would place their trust and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and become a citizen of the kingdom become a child of the king become a part of the church father this invitation time this morning we place into your hands and pray your perfect will be done through it all may your word accomplish what you what you intend for it to and we ask all of this in jesus name and for his sake amen i'm going to ask you to stand together with me answer the question are you afraid to die today? If you are, there's no need to be. Jesus Christ is the answer to that question. Brother Red's going to lead us, or lead us this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He is the one who contains and has all the answers for us. Brother Red. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see There's light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace through death into life everlasting he passed and we followed him there over us in no more dominion for more than conquerors we are turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely God's people said. Amen. This morning as we come to our time of tithes and offerings, we're just reminded 
of how much Christ did for us. All right, as we looked at where Christ came from, all right, the Alpha and the Omega, and He came to earth, and He gave His life, and He paid a debt that you nor I collectively in a million lifetimes could ever pay. Right? So we come to a time where we can give back to Christ is what, if he, what he has given to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace that you so freely bestowed on us. God, that as we come to this time of our service where we give our tithes and our offerings to you, God, that we would be cheerful givers and that we would recognize that you have given us a gift that far exceeds anything that this life could ever offer. God, and we would give back to you what you've already given us. God, that we would be found faithful stewards of, of the time, the resources, the money, the relationships that you've given us. God, that we would give all those things to you. God, that we would make your kingdom great. And we pray that you would bless our offering. God, that it would be used to, to spread your kingdom, to bring your name to the nations. God, that your, your name would be made famous. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Don't forget, 5.30 this evening. I'll tell you what my desire is for tonight, and it has been for this year. <laughs> I just long to see the church come back together, share a meal, just fellowship with each other. So let's do that tonight at 5.30. Amen? I know you're going to eat. I know you're going to eat a lot. And I know since we haven't done this for a couple of years, we're probably going to eat a lot, a lot. But no, seriously. 5.30 tonight. Look forward to seeing you here as we fellowship together in this place. Let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. But, Father, may we share it with those in a world that so desperately needs you today. Dismiss us now with your love. We look forward to this evening. Should you tear your coming. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Oh, hold, hold on before you go. I almost forgot. we have done this you need to give me a minute to get to the back door okay <laughs> do not go till I get to the back door okay all right so while brother